You're listening to the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Welcome to Why Bi. I'm Nikki Hodgson, and in this series we're looking at what it means to be bisexual today. We've looked at the history and the visibility, and we've looked at the mental health struggles facing bi people. In this final part, we're going to look at labels and why the term bisexual throws up questions for some people and discuss the importance of role models. After all, you can't be what you can't see. You can listen back to this episode and all the episodes in this documentary wherever you get your podcasts as part of the Virgin Radio Pridecast channel. So we know the need for more education and openness around bisexuality, more support and understanding. In this final episode, it's all about the label, or should I say, labels. Being bisexual means different things to different people, and it's evolving. Perhaps that is the problem with our visibility. Time to dive in. For some people, the concept is too much, right? So it's like, what? You can be attracted to more than one gender and, and you've had sex with men and you've had sex with women and now you think you can settle down with a woman and be happy? Like, I just can't. Like, it's just their brain starts malfunctioning, their eyes start blinking. Then the next people you meet are like, oh, like, we're, we're all just like part of the same vibe, man. It's all just fluid. It's all just like, we don't need these labels anymore. You seem to be in between these two extremes of like people that can't get it and then people that think that bisexuality is an outdated concept which is just mad <laughs> like how did we jump back so for some people it's a binary you're attracted to one gender or another while for others this couldn't be further from their truth the more i spoke to our guests the more it got me thinking just how personal a decision identifying with a label is is bisexuality an outdated concept as i question my own identity and label there seems to be more than one label that resonates with me Bisexual, but also pansexual. So what is pansexuality? Is it different to the label I've identified with my entire life? Author Mark Gavissa says what I've always felt. It's about how you understand and view sexuality. I work very strongly from the starting point that everybody says who they are. And that's a kind of fundamental human right, that you say who you are rather than you're told who you are. So somebody who understands sexuality in a binary way, who understands their desire as being to males or females or both, would call themselves homosexual or bisexual, right? Somebody who understands gender as a spectrum and who has an experience of the possibility of attraction to people who might not be male or female, might be both or neither, or somewhere in between, would understand themselves as as pansexual. And as far as I'm concerned, both are fine. Remember activist Libby from our last episode? Her take is that one represents collectivism, the other individualism. I think all of the words that we use have value for different reasons. So there are two main kind of philosophies around where we get these labels from. One of them is LGBT, which is a very much political movement. um, And it's about banding together and sharing commonalities in the face of an oppressor. And the other one is the Mogai movement, which stands for marginalised orientations and gender alignments and intersex. And it's less well-known 
But it's where these labels come from, pansexual, omnisexual, abrosexual. And that movement is much more about individualism rather than collectivism. Both of them have absolutely valid uses. You know, labels are only useful if they tell other people something about us or they help us understand something about ourselves. So the word bisexual largely is used to help other people understand us. Pansexual, omnisexual, multisexual, all those words are very specific. They've got very specific meanings and they are much more in tune with knowing about yourself. What do you want the value from at the moment? So I use bisexual partly because it's the label that I grew up with, but mainly because it's got a political history and, fingers crossed, a political future. Whereas I could also define myself as pan if I wanted to. It's very much about how it feels. For me, I'm not sure how it feels. I want to be part of the bisexual community, but I've also dated non-binary people in the past. And I'd like a term that can reflect all sides of my sexuality. Author Jen Winston is passionate that bi has always championed gender queerness. After I came out as bi, people were sort of like, why aren't you pan? Like, it's not, bi isn't gender inclusive. And like, spoiler alert that now I am in a relationship with a non-binary person. I identify as non-binary and I still identify as bi. And that's because I've learned so much about the term bisexuality and like the origins of the movement. And essentially like the bisexual movement has always been kind of at the forefront of championing gender queerness, essentially. Like, there was a bisexual magazine in the 90s, which I cannot find a copy of for the life of me, but, like, if you can find one, I would love to see it. Uh, It was called Anything That Moves, and there was, like, a whole manifesto about how, like, bisexuality encompasses anything that moves, and it also was, like, don't assume that... Uh, we only like uh, one of two genders. In fact, don't even assume there are only two genders. Like, it, it outlines that outright. And I've done so much research on bisexuality, and the more I learn, the more I realize that bisexuality at its core really challenges all types of binary. And so really, even though it has the word bi in the title, uh, which the word was not even like created by bi people, it was like created by scientists in the late 1800s, they thought it meant you were like intersex in your brain. But all that is to say that like pansexuality was essentially like created to make for a gender, more gender inclusive term, but it it wasn't really needed. What was needed was stigma breaking around bisexuality. But now that we're here, like it's a term that exists. It's a term that some people find more affirming. And I think I, I also deeply resonate with the term bisexual. And so I was so relieved to find out that like this, this word that has meant so much to me throughout my life wasn't problematic. And in fact, was far and away on the right side of history when it comes to gender inclusivity. I'm Dr. Julia Shaw, and I'm a psychological scientist and the founder of the Bisexual Research Group. I think that bi is still the most recognizable term, and I think it has the longest history. 
I also think that it is a useful term, and I think that it's often sort of incorrectly seen as bi, as in binary, as in reinforcing a strict gender binary, which just isn't true, and it never has been. And I think that's really, really important to say time and time again, and a lot of bi-activists do this, is that this is not trans-exclusive, this is not non-binary exclusionary, and I have quite a few friends who are non-binary and bisexual. Bi just means that you're attracted to same and other, and that's how it was used initially. It just meant, medically at least, it meant both homosexual and heterosexual. And obviously, depending on how you think of those terms, arguably it could be both being men and women, but it certainly doesn't have to be. And so for me, bi is the biggest category and the most useful label and the most recognisable. So for many, it seems bisexuality has always been an umbrella term, a term that's inclusive to all genders right from the very beginning. For campaigner Lewis Oakley, though, his fear is that more terms mean more confusion and more dilution of our visibility and support. I just see it as an umbrella, all under the bi umbrella of pan, of the whole um, the spectrum. I just see it under that umbrella of bi. And I know that some people aren't comfortable with, with the word bi, but the thing is, because we've been tracking it for so long as, as the word bisexual and bi, if we change now, or if we were splinter off into like five different directions, we really can't monitor the experiences. And as someone that is just a stat lover, who's, who, can, who has written articles like, look, the mental health of bisexual people has not changed in 30 years. You know, it was trapped as this. If we then splinter off into different groups, then we really have to press restart on all of the statistics, which means it's, very, it's a lot harder for campaigners to kind of say, well, we need funding. We, you know, we need this to be taken seriously. How dare you do an LGBT mental health campaign and not understand that there's a difference between gay and bisexual men? So I get it. it and, and I think the thing is we're, what we sometimes forget is like, I like to think of it as like, we're all, we're all on this lovely LGBT journey together. We're all trying to get to the top of the hill and we're kind of disagreeing about what is the right path to take to get there. You know, so, so my kind of way is like, I'm gonna call myself bisexual. And I think we all kind of see it under the bi umbrella for the, for the statistics, which leads to the funding, which leads to the improvement of bi people's health. And, and lived experience. I increasingly understand myself as I age as bisexual. Even though I, I wonder about bisexuality as a term, given my, my increasing appreciation of the gender spectrum rather than the gender binary. I feel my marriage is fixed. I'm, I'm married to a man. So I feel that that's definitely fixed. But in terms of my desire and my attraction, I feel that it's fluid and I think it's perhaps become more fluid as a younger generation has liberated the possibility of fluidity. And that's, I think, one of the things I learned from the younger people I was interviewing and spending time with in my research uh, for The Pink Line. I mean, it's striking to me that in the United States, a very prominent senator, Kirsten Sinema, is openly bisexual. And that seems to me to be something relatively new. Increasingly, celebrities actually describe themselves as bisexual in Western culture in a way that David Bowie didn't. He would show it, but he certainly wouldn't say it. So it does seem to me that as there's a, a greater appreciation for spectrums and for variances in Western cultures, that people who call themselves bisexual would be getting more space in those societies. 
So Mark says that bisexuals are becoming more of the norm in society, and as younger generations come out about their sexuality, it seems they're more and more comfortable with the idea of a gender spectrum over a gender binary. As much as pan is a label that represents the gender spectrum, for many, bi really isn't an outdated label. That said, this confusion shows you why education and visibility are so important. The more people coming out in the public eye and telling the world about their sexuality, the better. And the media have a role to play. There's this thing that happens in the media where bisexuality is often shown on screen as a behavior rather than it being named as a thing that you are. So it's always like immediately associated with sex. Like that's the only way you can like show it on screen. Like I walk in this room and I have sex with a guy. I walk in this room and I have sex with a woman. I walk in this room, I have sex with a non-binary person, which was not on TV in the 90s. But that's, I think, the the biggest problem that the media has had around bisexuality is like just assuming that if you show rather than tell, which is a like axiom that works when you're talking about like someone being gay, you can show them with a man and it like implies that he's gay. But it doesn't imply that he's bi unless you say it because it is inherently fluid. And so it's inherently like needs to be spoken about because it doesn't exist on that like visible, physical plane. Media representation is getting better though. The more celebrities that come out as bi, the more the media will need to represent those labels. It's just a slow process. But visibility is so has been so hard. I think the last few years has been amazing. Like it's been amazing to see celebrities like saying that they're bi and to have people be accepting that rather than being like, prove it, you know. If you'd have asked me that 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to name anyone really. But you know, we've we've got a lot of kind of music stars coming out as bi. Not everyone chooses the label bi. Some people choose Omni or Pan or some other label. They're all valid. Uh, We use bi as an umbrella term that covers everyone who's attracted to more than one gender. Characters like Miley Cyrus coming out have done wonders for that generation. She got her hair pulled back because the sweat's tripping off of her face. Said it ain't so bad if I want to make a couple mistakes. You should know right now it's really special how having this kind of like pansexual bisexual anthem of this song that like plays with gender roles and it's like it was a song that felt really honest that was like me in my most authentic form and miley cyrus really is the tip of the iceberg there's actors daniel newman and bella thorne model cara delavine but musicians do seem to bleed in the way Demi Lovato and Halsey have been open about their identity. And in the UK, George Shelley from Union J opened up to his fans a few years ago, mentioning that the label didn't matter. I'm not going to label it myself because it's not something that I feel I can label. I've had girlfriends that I've loved, but I've also had boyfriends. I just want you to know that whether I decide to be with a girl next or be with a guy next, it's because I love them and that it shouldn't be a big deal. 
I think one thing everyone in the LGBT community can relate to is like you're never done coming out. You know what I mean? I was always, always openly bi and I'd always talked about it. For the most part, everyone in like the industry side of things is like overwhelmingly supportive. California eyes and I thought that she could really be the one this time but I never got the chance to make a mind because she fell in love with little thin white lines it's a guy that lives in a garden state and he told me that we make it till we graduate so I told him that the music will be worth the wait but he wants me in the kitchen with a dinner plate you're listening to why buy on virgin radio pride with me Nikki Hodgson so we're hearing more and more people come out in the public eye and in the music world we're hearing artists talk about their sexuality more in the lyrics they write but it's not just music Remember pageant queen Jen? She said that despite it being scary, the reaction was so positive. Um, At first it was quite scary. Um, Obviously my family and my friends knew, but no one in the pageant industry knew. And at first I was absolutely petrified to tell people. I think a lot of people have stereotypes over beauty queens and and pageant girls. There is a couple of girls already out in the pageant industry, but especially as such a big title holder as Miss Great Britain, if I can say so myself. Yeah, it was quite scary. Luckily, I have the most amazing agents, directors, um, Kate and Gemma, and I told them and they said, we already know, we knew. Um, but we support you all the way and if you want to come out to the rest of the world we'll support you fully, we'll back you it doesn't make any difference to us we just want to support you and we're so happy for you and so I did it and I had the most amazing reaction Um, I was quite scared at times because obviously when you're competing and you're around girls all the time I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable but at the same time I can't hide who I am Um, and people need to understand just because I'm around loads of girls all the time. It doesn't mean I fancy them all. It doesn't mean that I want to jump on them all. It's not like that at all. And I think coming out in the pageant industry, um, as as well as being, it's quite a bold move really, especially while still in rain. But I just want people to, I want people to see how important it is, not just to me, but anyone else who's bisexual, um, that being perceived one, one certain way because of your sexuality um, is is so wrong and you know we should be accepted no matter who we are um, no matter what industry we're in pageants football anything you want to do um, you shouldn't be judged like that and I've had the most amazing uh, feedback from people I've had them I've had so many people come to me and say Jen I've I've, ne- I've never dared to come out to my family my friends anyone and you've given me you know, the courage to come out because if you can come out to the whole world being who you are, then I should feel brave enough to come out to my family. And I've had the most amazing stories from people saying that they finally feel free and they finally feel that they can be themselves. And that is truly the most amazing um, thing that's come out of it, really. And for Michael Fabricant, Conservative MP for Litchfield, who we heard from in our last episode, coming out in the public eye wasn't an issue. Look, I'm very uninhibited. Uh, You know, this is my problem. Some of the government whips would say about everything under the sun, I'm uninhibited. So normally I wouldn't bother to come out one way or another on these issues because I think, well, they're just private issues. And as I've said several times already in this interview, I think most people are bisexual anyway. Whether they choose to do anything about it or not is another matter. Uh, I only came out because of the television programme First Dates, 
But you know what? I mean, as I said, I got no reaction from it and I didn't find it a hard thing to do at all. In fact, the I was quite shocked by the producer who seemed absolutely amazed that I was going to be the first MP to say he was bisexual. And uh, it just wasn't an issue for me. I mean, I think I think I would have been uncomfortable doing it in the 1990s, but certainly not today. A lot of MPs are, are, are bi or gay, you know, certainly on my side. Well, I think Labour's side too. It's not an issue. For Dr Julia Shaw, her take on more people in the public eye coming out is that the privilege combined with social media has allowed them to control the narrative far more easily. I definitely think that more people are coming out, especially people who are in the media, who are, you know, have privilege. I think that social media has also made it more possible. So it's easier to come out on social media. And so let's say 15 years ago, you know, early days of social media, you didn't have as many options for coming out and you couldn't craft your coming out story in the way that you can now, or it was much more difficult. And so I think now, you know, being able to tweet it, being able to put it in relatively few words as well, so not having to have a long spiel or having to do it in an interview, uh, I think can really help people to feel like it's not as not as big and scary a thing. Because I think sometimes it feels like it must be, and for some people, of course, it is. But sometimes you don't want it to be this massive moment, right? And I think historically, it's been more of a massive moment, especially if you were a person in the public. It would be sort of in the news, right? And it still is, of course, for celebrities. But sort of for people who aren't celebrities but have some following, uh, it's much, much easier now to come out as bi, I think, and to not have it be, I don't know, something that feels as big and scary a thing which is a good thing. And also to have lots of support immediately. So I think it's also become more bi-directional because you come out as bi and basically immediately, if you have um, as any, if you've tapped into any of the community, really, you typically have bi people immediately responding and other queer people immediately responding and allies immediately responding. That's great. You know, it's so, so great that you felt you could come out. And so that's another thing that is new is that you have all this sort of positive feedback, typically, hopefully, <laughs> that happens, uh, or at least that's what I, I see most of the time, is that it's a positive experience for people. When speaking with politician Mandy Reid, she said that being open and honest about her sexuality in the public eye meant there was far more interest in her private life, but that she's willing to take that if it means she can be a positive role model. What I do have to contend with is more interest in my um, sex life, in my private life, in my relationship history than a heterosexual person would have to contend with. Um, but linked to what I said earlier, I think that it actually allows me in a way to pave the way for others to be true to themselves. And so I've interpreted that as a bonus. I've interpreted the fact that I get asked about these things, the fact that I can answer the questions about my private life in a really mundane way. There's nothing salacious about my private life, I promise you. Um, um, I think that actually helps to dispel some of the myths. And so that's the only thing I suppose that I find is a bit of a nuisance, if anything. But I've tried to kind of turn that on its head and, and, and um, incorporate it into something that's actually a positive uh, part of being in public life and being open about who I am. As I've spoken to our amazing guests for this documentary, it's given me such a deeper understanding of the bisexual label, the community and the struggles we face as we strive for greater representation. As someone who's been bisexual all my adult life, I'm still learning what it means to me. But after making this documentary, I think I can safely say that bisexuality is still the term that most closely defines how I feel about my sexuality. Let's not forget that representation is still a huge issue. 
In the 50 years of like LGBT funding, I think bisexuals have only received about 1% of overall funding. And bisexuals make up about 52% of the LGBT. So that is just insane. My like favorite hobby is whenever I meet someone, like at an event, and they're like, oh, yeah, I love your work. You know, I work for this charity that's an LGBT. I'm just like, oh, okay, what do you do specifically for bisexuals then? And they just can't tell you because it's, they see LGBT as like one big homogenous group. It's like, no, you really need to get into the nitty gritty of how is a bisexual man different from a bisexual woman, different from a trans woman? And what are their unique issues that really need addressing? Like, it's time to double down, not keep adding numbers and letters to the acronym. Because to be quite honest, like if I were asexual, I'd be like, I don't want part of that. You can't even look after the four you've got. So it's clear there's still work to do before bisexuals are truly considered and cared for the whole society wide. My thanks go to Lewis Oakley, Mark Gavissa, Mandy Reed, Michael Fabricant, Jen Winston, Libby Baxter-Williams, Dr. Julia Shaw and Jen Atkin. A final word from Jen and Mark. It's so much more accepted these days. I still think there's people out there that aren't accepting of that, but in my opinion, that's just their problem. And I, I, I genuinely think people like that will fade out at some point. 15 years ago, I don't think it was as accepted um, as well as it is now. But I'm, I'm so proud to be in this day and age where you see stuff on the TV of gay and bisexual people. I've literally just been listening to something now and the main character's bisexual, which I think is incredible. And um, I do think it's becoming more the norm. And it's amazing to be able to come out at a time like this and have so much encouragement and support. And I just think, I definitely think we're on the way up and I think one day it's it's not gonna be a thing. It's, you know, anyone can just live and be free and be who they wanna be without even having to come out and just enjoy it. One of the articles of faith of the new sort of queer movement is the notion is no two people have the same gender and no two people have the same sexual orientation, because we're each unique and individual, both in our biological makeup, but also in, in our social construction. That's really one of the underlying principles of the latest wave of thinking about identity. And yet, there is the need for people to debate sort of fervently about what's better, bisexual, or, or pansexual. So there's a way we, we do need labels and boxes. And that to me is very interesting. Even a movement that wants to get rid of the labels and boxes uh, needs to find some labels and boxes. And I think that's partly because it's a fundament of identity formation. And it's also because of how deeply embedded in our psyches and in our societies is the notion that our sexuality is an identity rather than a practice. That it's something we are that has certain values to it, political values, social values, cultural values, rather than, than something we just do. Thank you for listening to Why Buy on Virgin Radio Pride, a distorted production.